Psalms 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, Zion was Jerusalem. It's where the temple was. This is where God's people worshipped. It had been destroyed. And it did feel like for a minute during 2020, for that 16 weeks that we weren't gathering together, like, will the gathering ever be restored? And I remember on Good Friday service, uh, in here all alone, and you seen the painting up on, on the wall, uh, the guy painting, that was our Good Friday service. And I was standing over here somewhere just grieving that we didn't have a physical gathering, but God did restore it. The Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dreamed. This literally means, uh, some translations say it was a dream come true. Uh, so it literally means to like imagine and to dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things among them. And we have seen the Lord do great things among us. It was 2004. We were getting ready to buy our second home. None of the homes we were looking at were anything that I wanted. And so we picked out a handful of houses. There was one house out of five one day we were looking that I wanted to see. So I sent Jenny with the realtor and I said, if you think one of those is like our home, call me and I'll show up. But I'm going to go just to the one appointment. I had a busy schedule that day at church, so uh, I had to go on my lunchtime. So at lunchtime, I show up to this little bungalow house, just under 1,600 square feet, one-story home, a bedroom upstairs, but it was really a converted attic. And so I drive in the driveway. I don't go in the house. I just drive in the driveway, and I know this is going to be my home. I don't know how I know this, but I just feel like this verse, all this joy. And I get out of the car. Jenny had already been in the driveway with the realtor. And I, I opened the car door, get out, and I said, this is going to be our home. And Jen's like, well, let's look in the inside first. And so I said, well, let's go in. And so I, it was like I was treasure hunting. I'm running through this little bungalow house. like, And I, and I quote this verse. I tell Jenny, I, I tell the Jenny and the realtor, I said, I feel like that verse in Psalms 126 is like, we were like those who dream. And I dreamed about what this house could be. It had five acres, and I could see us raising our boys there. I could see us hosting community groups. I'm dreaming this up. I could see us praying prayers. In fact, that was the very living room that we prayed that God would birth a church in Jackson, Michigan. We All those dreams actually did come true. And so we didn't even walk out of the house. We signed a sales agreement right there or offered, put an offer in that day. We were like those who dreamed. This is verse has been one of my favorite verses because it's permission from God to dream and to have liveliness in your life. So fast forward a handful of years, 2009-ish, 2010, and I begin to sense God's doing something different in my life. I was a worship leader for 17 years, but I begin to sense a different shift and a different calling. I didn't know it was going to be a pastor right away, but one thing I did between 2010 and 2012 is I started getting the sense that I don't dream anymore. I have no more holy imagination. In fact, it's the title of my message, a holy imagination. And so for two years, I would just start dreaming up things in my mind's eye. Just like, thanks for my worship ministry. Thanks for my marriage. Thanks for my children. Just all these, just dreaming for two years. I would, in and out through two years, I would journal these dreams. And when we finally figure out in the 
spring of 2012, God is calling us to plant a church. We didn't know where, but God was calling us to plant a church. And it made sense. This is, what the, this is why the Lord is telling me I need to dream more. I need to use my imagination for the things of God. So that was May when we figured out we're going to plant a church. Come June, when the church has its first prophetic presbytery, this guy named Tom Lane, here's what he says, here's what he says to me. I want to read this to you. He's given me a prophetic word from God, and he says, Mike, dream big, Mike. I'm quoting it word for word. Dream big. Don't stop your imagination. And he said, for the fear of failure, for the fear of provision. He says, don't stop your imagination, but think Big. Now, no one at the church knew except for two pastors, not even our lead pastor, just two other pastors we asked to pray for us. No one at the church knew we were going to plant a church, but I did. And, I, and this guy, Tom, is telling me to dream big, and, I'm, and it's blowing my mind because no one knows, not even Jenny, no one knows that I've been journaling about dreaming for two years. No one knows that I'm putting words like imagination, words like dreams into my journal. And this guy says this to me. Well, it's Pastor Jeremy Brown, the pastor of Radiant Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I meet with him, and I tell him, hey, we're planning on planting church. He says, do you know where you're going to plant? I said, no, I have no idea. He says, well, have you thought about Jackson, Michigan? And I said, no, that's never entered my mind. And it's God is my witness. <laughs> and I said, uh, why would I go to Jackson? It's just like the town I live in, which is Battle Creek. It's not true, but that's what I thought. Uh, it's just like, you know, same kind of blue collar, same demographics. All of it looks the same. Hey, let me ask you a question. Let me pause it. I'll come back to the story. What do you think about when you think of Battle Creek? Boom, dude. He's got it. Yes. Smells like cereal. Yeah, you know, when you live in Battle Creek, it smells like breakfast every single day. And do you live in Battle Creek? Oh, yeah. Well, part. Okay, yeah, east side, all right. So we, we were kind of over on the east side, too, in the Bedford, Bedford area. But anyway, if you don't live in Battle Creek, you think Kellogg's cereal. You think Frosted Flakes. You think Post cereal. And when you don't live in Jackson, you think prison. And I'm like, why would I go to a prison town? Like, you know, I don't want to be a guard or, you know, look how big they would tear me up there. I weigh like 150 pounds back then. So anyway... I'm back to the story. I said, I'm not going to Jackson, Michigan. Are you kidding me? And uh, he said, well, we've been praying about Jackson, thinking about planting a church here, but maybe you're supposed to go. Would you just at least go check it out? I said, yeah. So I'm, we, we drive down I-94. We take the Starbucks exit there, and uh, we'd never been to Jackson except for driving by, a, you know, when we had to go to Detroit or something. And we're kind of, we're seeing the mall there on the side of the highway, and we're like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, this could I could live in I could see myself living in Jackson. And we're driving down West Street and we're falling more and more in love. And we're getting excited about like, I don't know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the town. So I tell Jenny, now they were redoing the bridge on West Street by Taco Bell, so we couldn't go over the bridge. So I said, We got I want to see downtown. What does downtown Jackson look like? So we drive all the way back to Starbucks, because we didn't know there was a quicker way. So we drive all the way back to Starbucks, get on the highway, loop around the downtown, and we park by the, the church there on the corner of Jackson and Michigan. And I'm getting, out of the, getting ready to get out of the car. And I am thinking about 2004 when I'm in my driveway of this little bungalow house. And I knew I'm going to live in this house before I got inside. And I'm thinking, 
I am going to live. I don't know how I know this, but I am going to live in Jackson, Michigan. And the Psalms 126 came into my mind. We were like those who dreamed. And then I'm thinking about Tom Lane telling me, dream big, Mike. Don't limit your imagination. Now, I'm sharing none of this with Jenny. I'm not telling Jenny. All this is taking place in my mind. But it's a very surreal moment. God has often used songs to help me see things. And I open the car door, and I hear this. Temptations. This couldn't be a dream. Dream. Oh, yeah. The temptations were speaking to me. Oh, it's just my And I'm like, what's happening? What is happening right now? It felt surreal. I'm taking Jen by the hand. We're walking downtown, and she's like, this feels like we're in a movie or something. And you know, God is my witness. Never once since that have I ever heard music playing downtown Jackson. But I tell you this story that God's using my journaling. God's using Psalms 126. And now the temptations are trying to sing it to me from the heavens. About a holy imagination. And I, we were walking down, and I said, Jenny, we're going to be living here. That was June of 2012. A year later, August 2013, we were here. Let me give you another verse about dreaming. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now him who is able, that's God obviously, to do immeasurably. Everybody say immeasurably. <laughs> to do immeasurably means you can't measure it. You can't comprehend it. But this is what God wants to do. To him who is able to do immeasurably more. Then all we ask, what are you asking the Lord? Because he's going to go beyond it. Or what is it? Imagine. I looked it up in the Greek. It's what it means. Imagine. If you can imagine it and pray it out, that's what the asking means. It's prayer. Holy prayer. A holy imagination according to his power that is at work with us. Right? So it's got to be according to God. It's got to be according to his will. It's got to be, you know, it's got to bring glory to him. Those are the qualifications of being a holy imagination. To him be the glory in the church. Literally means large assembly and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and ever. We must have a holy imagination. And here's why. One, God will go beyond what we can think or even imagine. But our holy imaginations lead to holy moments and they produce hope. We went through a difficult year last year. And I could have never imagined when the Lord was saying in December of 2019, telling me that 2020 was going to be a year of slowing down. I had no idea what it meant. I don't even want to say anymore the C word. I don't even want to say the phrase pandemic. How many times are we going to hear that? So I just don't want to say it anymore. But I, I would love the miracles that God gave us in 2020. But I could have never imagined that. And I couldn't imagine it. That in seven years, we'd go from 30 people meeting in a living room on Grinnell Street in Jackson, Michigan, to hundreds worshiping every single week. But we've had our miracles, and we're going to continue to have a holy imagination in this church, not just for the church, but even for your own personal life. What are you dreaming about? What's the holy imagination? Or maybe you don't have the right things feeding your spirit, so you have an unholy imagination. 
I think an unholy imagination has kept people from coming back to the house of God because they've fed their hearts the wrong way. But here's our miracles that we had. You've already seen it. We've already talked about it, so we'll highlight it quickly. What did we see happen in 2020? Number one, we launched an online campus. This has been in our dream. We've, we dreamed about launching a campus in 2021 online. The Lord accelerated the vision, made it happen in 2020, and it's gone beyond what we can imagine. Now, and I was joking, but it's true. We're international now. It's an international church, uh, and we're connected with all other churches in the network, but we have launched an online campus. And there are a couple of awesome things that have come out of that. One is when we weren't meeting, we had uh, someone that stories kept coming and things that were happening in people's living rooms. One of them was there was a father who the, the, the family had never heard the father pray. And we were trying to figure out how do we do an online service and make it feel right in a living room. And I'm, I mean, I'm watching uh, late night shows trying to figure out how these guys are doing it. And I want church to feel like a late night show, so I'm watching Fallon and like, but I don't look like him. And, but anyway, so we did this thing where we said, let's pause for one minute in the, in, in the stream and just have people pray in their living rooms. And so I, we would say, hey, grab, grab your spouse's hand, or if you're, if you're the, the father in the house, we encourage you to pray. And the family wept because they'd never heard the father pray, and he prayed for the first time with his family. That's awesome. We had also seen... Uh, these watch parties happen, and people who would never go to church would watch. They'd have a pool party in the summer and watch online. God is using online. But we still have a holy imagination uh, that we're believing for online. Here's a couple of things. We're going to keep investing in our online stream. Right now, it's a board mix. We had a limited budget, so it's just a, what, what, they, what you're hearing online right now is basically the board, a mix coming off the board, so it's not real great. But we're going to get a, a, its own mix, its own board that's going to be separate for the stream. So they have a quality mix. Because what we want to see happen is we want to see our stream go into the prison here. Though we're praying for that. We believe we're going to be streaming into other churches one day, into the jail systems. We can see this ministry growing. Number the second miracle was this. We watched the return of the physical gathering. We watched the return of the physical gathering. Hey, did you guys ever get that photo? I forgot last service. So our first physical gathering, here was the first person who showed up. <laughs> Some of you are not laughing. You don't know who that is. That's Bernie Sanders. Come on. Memes. Anyone seen that? Anyway, we're just playing. But So listen, March 13th, you've seen that video where I tell the church, hey, we're going to stop gathering. March 13th, we knew we weren't going to, we're going to have to pause. And I thought, like a lot of us, a couple weeks, we'll, all right, this is basically flu season, we'll get through this. I had no idea it was going to be 16. And I had no idea the amount of fear this was going to put in the hearts of people. And so on June 21st, we had our first physical gathering in 16 weeks. We were 700 people, 200 show back up. And we thought, is this going to be the new norm? Is this like what's happening? Everyone's afraid to you know, go out in public or to do things anymore. And God slowly just rebuilt our gathering. But last week, 
We still have people in our church who've not been back in over a year. Last week, we had one young family come back for the first time. They have not been here since last March. So one year had gone by. They came to third service, and the mom came out in the foyer afterwards, her and her 16-year-old son. And she said, she was weeping when she's telling me, she said, me and my son, we cried all through worship because they had forgotten how good God's presence was. It's a miracle. You know, the physical gathering's miraculous. And one thing that I learned uh, in 2020 was not only to not forsake the gathering of God's people, but how critical it is for his people. Because now we have new routines. Now we, now we have uh, uh, new patterns. And for some, now churches become an option, which was never God's heart or his design. I get it, you know, for those who need the online, you know, for health reasons. But God's restored our gathering. Here's our holy imagination. We really, you know, we believe Revelations 3, 2, strengthen what remains. We had 200 people that remained. We strengthened it. We're going to continue to do that. We want to rebuild our volunteer base. When we stopped gathering, it crippled and crushed our volunteer base. So we have three services. It takes a, at least 110 people to pull off our, third, our three services. We only have 60 people helping us, and a lot of them, some of them are all three. So we're believing a holy imagination that there's going to be abundance of returning of, of people who join Team Radiant. We're going to relaunch our empowerment track that happens next month. We're going to continue. We just added our encounter services for our physical gatherings. Every month we're going to have nights of worship. Uh, we're going to re-implement our prayer partners. And we're going to keep believing God for his presence to be in all of our gatherings. A holy imagination. Because when we have a holy imagination, we have holy moments. And when we have holy moments, it produces hope. And I'm telling you, when people come back to the house of God and they encounter his presence, hope comes. When no other thing out there is given the hope that God does. Our third miracle, which was not on our radar, was to purchase a retreat center. This was this happened. This was our vision for 2021. In 2019, I always take a week in December, go seek the heart of God, and ask him, what do you what what's a, a word for the year? In 2020. 19, the Lord said, 2020 is going to be a year of slowing down, and you're going to launch no new ministries. And I remember telling the Lord, that does not sound like vision. That sounds like the opposite of vision. And he said, you're going to slow down, and you're not going to launch anything. And he was right. <laughs> he was absolutely right. But So what I did is like, well, I'll just start dreaming about 2021 then. And I did. And I put in 2021, I want to launch an online campus, and I want a retreat center for our men's and women's events, and I want to do... Uh, children's uh, events as well. And all of that happened in 2020. <laughs> Here's how it happened. We had scheduled three men's events, and we had rented this place uh, for our men's events, and we we're going to launch some women's events there. But then the thing happened. I don't want to say its name anymore. That thing happened. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, we canceled two of the events, but we thought certainly by September we'll be over this whole fiasco, so let's keep that one on the books. Well, we, we couldn't do the event in September, but we had already paid for the facility. So we show up there with the staff and said, well, let's just go stay the night there. I mean, we got it. We paid for it. Let's just have a party with the staff. So we show up there, and they said, hey, by the way, we're selling this. 
Well, I'm thinking there are other things that we need to be investing in as a church, but everyone on staff is like excited about this place. I had dreamed it. I had a holy imagination for this one day way down the road when we maybe have millions coming in. Like, like we just not in a place financially to do this, but we're all praying. And we, I had no intention when I drove into the retreat center to stay that weekend there to buy it as a church. But, and in fact, night one, I walk into the cabin like, this smells like a musty cabin. You know, you know cabin smell, right? You must stay up north, you go in that cabin, it smells like you got about six months of dust lingering. Well, that's what this was. And, uh, but we start praying in the morning as a staff, we would meet and we'd pray and we just started imagining, well, what if we could do kids camp here? What if we do marriage retreats here? We start dreaming. And then three days later, when we're ready to go home that Saturday morning, we are literally weeping in the chapel about the potential because we had a holy imagination. We're saying, Lord, we see hundreds of kids and we see marriages. We're whole, we have this holy imagination. And that is our imagination. We're going to use this retreat center to uh, not only host our men's event that we've created, but we're going to launch the women's journey event there in the fall. But we have a vision for having kids there, meeting Jesus one day. One of the biggest things, investment that we'd ever done for our own children was when we would send them to Radiant Camp, Kids Camp in Kalamazoo, Michigan. When my oldest son, he was 12 or 13 years old, he had a supernatural encounter with God. And uh, he, someone was praying for him, and he had vision, a vision of heaven, walks with Jesus in heaven. And he said that one thing, that one week, that six days at camp, was the thing that grounded him when he was going through difficult trials in high school, when, it, when partying and sexual temptation and all the things the world is throwing at a young man in his late teens. It was kids' camp, not the Sunday church, even though that is our heart for Sunday gatherings, but that's one hour a week. If you came every week, you do the math of how often you come to church. The average is once a month. But if you came every week, we'd have about 52 hours with your children where we can invest in them. But camp is a, a, a consolidated, intense four days where they encounter the presence of Jesus, and it grounded my children. And we have now, I didn't even say this first service, but there is a culture war going on. And I don't say this out of fear, it's out of observation that truth is being flipped in our nation. Evil is being called good. Good is being called evil in our nation. Uh, we are redefining marriage. We are redefining who God is. We are making our own gods now, and they are after our children. I think it's something like 70 to 80% of once someone graduates from high school, if they go to college, the propaganda and they, the things that they hear in that college, they will walk away from their faith which means we're losing, and we're trying to say, not on our watch. Let's create, that's why we say we create environments for people to come and encounter the presence of God. And so I want children in our church, babies that are born and babies that have not yet been born yet, that will go to one of these retreats at this retreat center and have a holy moment with God because we had a whole imagination to even dream that it could do something and be life-changing for our young people.
That's what we want to do. I am out of time, but I will give you three things in closing uh, quickly. But here's some dates to remember for our this for the rest of the year. Uh, obviously, we have our Good Friday service. There's two of those, 4.30, 6.30. Come to that. You will not be turned away. Get, invite your friends. We have Easter. We have a retreat open house on April 11th. Everyone say April 11th. So that's a Sunday. We're going to have an open house at that retreat center for you to come check out the cabins. We're going to end that night with a, a night of worship in the chapel. So if you want to see what is this place, we want you to come. We want you to see it, to be part of it. Also, um, because we're limiting the events, because we've never ran a retreat center. <laughs> like, we've never done that. We don't know what that looks like, how to do that. And because of the whole thing, I'm not going to say, we, you know, we, we were not, like, leasing this out. So what we decided was if the church wants to use it on the off events, um, you can use that. So if this is your church uh, we're going to let you stay there f for $75 a night, which is, you know, a cabin with two rooms. And the, you can see all the minis online. I don't need to share that. You'll see that when you show up. But that will start in May. So from May to October, if you want a cabin, you want to go there, we want to be a blessing to that. But here's the thing. Because we're nonprofit, you know, we can charge for it, but it can't be, you know, like a public thing, like a hotel. For, but it has to be for a spiritual reason, right? So you can't go on a vacation, but you can go on a spiritual retreat. Okay, you can't have parties, you can have fellowship. Are you hearing me or not hearing me? Okay, okay, okay. He who has ears, I feel like Jesus, like, do I need to explain the parables to you? Okay, that was a parable. So you can use this for spiritual retreats, fellowship, things of that nature. Because you are part of this congregation. We have our Be Radiant Serve Day, which is where we serve our community uh, in July, we have our seven-day prayer focus in August. We have our women's event that we're going to be launching in September and October. And then we're going to do at the movies again, which we're excited about because... And I don't care if there's various strains. I'm eating popcorn in church. I'm going to have popcorn and pop, uh, and we'll have gloves on or something. And if you're uncomfortable, don't eat it. Uh, anyway, what can you do to be a part of Radiant Church. We want you to have a holy imagination with us. And how you can do that is one, you can pray for us. Continually pray for our church. Um, look, a holy imagination is where God fuels our visions through our prayers. Prayers is where the power comes from. Prayer is where change happens. Prayer is how we write our future. A holy imagination. Um, you can pray for God's presence and power in everything we do. Pray that the, our vision for the gathering, the online, for the retreat center becomes a reality. Pray for wisdom for the leadership. Pray for increase so that we can keep doing what God is calling us to do. Number two, actively serve here. Actively serve the vision of the church. If Radiant Church is your church, serve the vision of the house because our, we can have vision, but that vision only moves forward. We're only able to reach people at the speed that we get involved, at the speed that where there's a willingness to serve the vision, which is why we're talking about, hey, there's 110 people needed. Uh, we're going to need things for these events too. So let me just say this. If you're new to the church and you're not ready for that, give it a year. You never know the DNA, the culture of a church until you've been there a while. And the last one is this. Financially support 
the vision of the church. Our vision moves forward at the speed that leaders and resources are poured into that vision. That's just obvious. And I know that people don't give to organizations. They give to causes, which is why we share stories of healed marriages, why we share stories of people getting set free from drug addiction or pornography, or why we share stories of how marriages have been strengthened and and atheists have come to know the Lord, because we know that people give to causes. And we have the greatest cause in the world. We know the answer to all things. It's Jesus. And um, I want to share the story because we had a heart for the house in uh, Kalamazoo year one. And Jen and I was trying to buy our first house and we were leasing it for six months with the option to buy it, but we had to save $7,000. Well, the church was trying to renovate a worship space of 2,000 square feet. That was $7,000. I thought, how bizarre that the church needs seven grand. I'm trying to save for seven grand. We had saved $1,000. That's a lot of money for us. And I told Jenny, we're not given to that. The Lord's not prompting my heart. <laughs> I'm not given to that because I, you know, we got to save $7,000. We only got six months. We don't even make that much, we don't even have that much disposable income. And then the Lord brought me to this verse. This changed my heart in giving. Haggai 1, 7 through 9. So this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. And he's getting ready to challenge his people on some financial peace. I want you to think about some finance, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. When we honor God's house, he's honored. <clears throat> and he sa- says the Lord, now watch this. This Verse 9 was happening to Jen and I. You've expected much financially, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord Almighty, because my house remains in ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. And I read that. And it was a conviction for me. And so that was the deciding moment for Jen and I. We're going to be tithers into this church. And we took that $1,000 and sold it into that vision of, of making that ministry center happen in Kalamazoo. That one financial seed. Wow, Pablo, that's awesome. You in trouble, bro? Oh, oh. <laughs> or are you trying to tell me something? Pastor Mike. Get off the stage. All right, I'm almost done, Pablo. Give me a second. Dude, hold on. I'm almost done. All right. So we sold that seed. That one financial seed was miraculous for us. We started over with zero. We were a few days out from closing on this house, $4,000 short. So we had saved up three, about just somewhere between three and 4000 is what we needed. And someone in our church was like, hey, we know you were saving for that house. Where, where are you at with that? And we, we share with them where we're at, and they gave us the difference. Now, I'm not saying that to say that's what happens when we give, because that is not the heart of giving. My heart was what, what I just read. The Lord told me, if you take care of my house, I'm going to take care of yours. And he did. So how do you be part of our holy imagination and the vision of this house? Pray for it. Get involved. And so financially, as the Lord leads you, that's what we want you to do. Stand up. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to dismiss.